All right, everybody, we've got a special guest on the line. We're here with Connor R. I don't know if you want me to say your last name, so I'll just stick to yeah, the letter. No, I need to say it. So uh, we got Connor Rich, and then obviously it's me, you know, Double M over here on the Touch Em Up podcast, and we're going to be predicting the UFC 266 card. So obviously the return of Nick Diaz, I mean, that that's kind of what I would say 75% of the fans who are going to watch this card are only going to watch it because they heard Nick Diaz is coming back. Because, you know, it's a lot of casuals, I feel like. It's a great card. That's like the people's main event. Yeah. I feel like. Yeah, exactly. It, it's what the people want to see. And uh, I don't know if people are going to be too happy with <laughs> how this fight goes for their beloved Nick Diaz. I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to yeah. say who I picked <laughs> yet. But, um, yeah, I mean, so we're going to break down this card. We're going to start on the prelims. I don't really do the early prelims and stuff because if I've spent time breaking down all that, these podcasts would be two hours long, and I don't really have time to do that. But um, I guess, I mean, you're ready for it, right? You're excited about this card. Oh, yeah, definitely. The whole card's stacked from, like, even in the early prelims, there's some, there's some good fights, but across the board, it's just couldn't ask for a better card. Yeah, it's, it's pretty stacked. I think uh, – 265 was decent. I mean, it was it yeah. was it was here, it was there. You know, 264 that was a good card. Uh, 263 that was the uh, Adesanya and Vittori card. Honestly, the best fight on that card was uh, the Brad Riddell and Drew Dober fight on the prelims. Yeah, and I was a big fan of the um, the, the Moreno fight. That yeah, was a good, yeah, good one too. I like to see him win the champions. Yeah. That was really nice to see. And I love Moreno. I love Moreno. I uh, oh, yeah. I think I picked Figueredo to win their first fight, and then the second fight I picked Moreno because I'm just like – there was – I don't know. Like I felt like going into that fight – Figueredo's a great fighter. Don't get me wrong. I mean oh, yeah. the, the dude's scary, but he can't make for, one – For 125-er, he is, he is intimidating, very intimidating. He can't make 125 pounds anymore. And the fact that they're redoing no. that fight, they're doing it again – I mean, if you guys bet, I would throw the house on Brandon Moreno. If he's not oh, like yeah. a, <laughs> if he's not a huge favorite, I feel like it's going to go exactly the same way that the last one did. He's going to get dropped. Yeah, and, he's going to knock out this time around. Yeah. And his uh, going into that fight, man, all I was talking about was Moreno's lead hand, like that jab and that left hook, and he can yeah. like he can pair it together so well. And I mean, that was literally dropped him with a fucking jab, and I'm like, well, there you go. I'm like. <laughs> Like, he's, like, the nicest guy. He's one of, like, besides for Wonderboy, he's, like, the nicest guy in the UFC. He is. Such a nice, such a nice guy. Like, he'll, even when, when he's fighting, like, he has, like, a smile on his face. Yeah, he's uh, he's crazy, man. I uh, I know Co- uh, Cody Garbrandt's dropping to 125. He's going to be. You know what you, that's, I, don't, I don't know how I feel about that. Honestly, I think he can make the weight class because he's not a big 35-er. Like, if he went to 45, I think he'd get killed because he's not that yeah, big. Oh, yeah, definitely. But 25, I feel like he can make it. But when he gets – I mean, they gave him a – I don't think people know how good that Kai Car of France really is because he's kind of – He his, is good. His record's kind of like here and there. He'll win one. He'll lose one. He'll win one, whatever. But it's like, dude, that guy is – that is a hard fight for Garbrandt for his first fight at flyweight. Kai Car of France, wasn't he – Um, he was on that Ultimate Fighter season of Champions, wasn't he? Uh, I don't – The same season as Brandon Moreno, correct? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right, because he, he, he was like the first guy to get a knockout on that show. He knocked out yeah. that, uh, that tall kid. I can't remember his name, but oh, I know we were talking about. Yeah, and he just freaking hit him with an overhand, and he was like dead, like right away. <laughs> he 
truthfully, I feel like the the 125 pound division right now is like I don't not that it's at state, but I feel like it's I don't know. I feel like it's starting to get to the point where like the fact that Moreno and Figueroa have to keep on like mm-hmm. fighting each other, yeah, really isn't much going on in that division. Because if you remember correctly, when when uh, Henry Cejudo was fighting, he actually I don't remember who he fought exactly, but he fought somebody in. That was the, that fight determined whether or not the, the 125 pound division was, was going to continue to like go forward. Yeah, it was Dillashaw. He knocked out TJ. Yeah, TJ Dillashaw. Yeah. It, yeah. Yep. That that was it. So the fact that they were even considering taking that division out is kind of like kind of like draws questions. If yeah. you Ask me. Like I, I don't see it being around for ten more years if, if that was the case. I yeah. I I think I think Garbrandt. I don't, I don't know. It's a good division, but. I don't know. I, I just feel like, I mean, do you think that Figueroa or Moreno could, could make 35? Could they make 35? Yeah. Uh, I think Figueroa and Moreno could do good at 35, but I think 35 yeah. is, I think 35 is more of a division for Davison. I honestly, after Garbrandt, before Garbrandt and fucking, uh, what's his name? Just fought Rob font. The guy I've interviewed yeah. on this podcast. I should fucking know his name. Um, <laughs> Before before they fought, I thought that Figueredo versus Rob Font was a good fight to make uh, Figueredo go up to 135. I mean, he's it's sink or swim for him. He's got if he goes up, he has to fight a guy in like the top three or top four. And who's he gonna fight? Corey Sandhagen? He'll get destroyed. Sandhagen will yeah. kill Davison Figueredo. I agree with you. It, I, I think that Corey Sandhagen will, will be a champion in a division within the next five years too. I think I think honestly, for for thirty five right now, I mean, I don't want to get into the Aljamain Sterling and Peter Yan bullshit because oh, yeah. we'll sit here for three hours and talk about that. Yeah. But but in my opinion, the the champions Peter Yan Aljamain's not a champion. He's not the no. champion. He's not going to win this fight. I don't want to jinx him because I love Peter Yan. Yan's like one of my favorite guys in the UFC right now, but. I don't see any 35er def- beating Peter Yan besides I think Rob Font actually gives him his toughest fight at 35. Really? What about you don't think Dillashaw comes close? Uh I just think Dillashaw with how much he moves and his footwork and everything and how clean Yan is with his striking, I feel like he's just going to run into something. I'm not saying it'll be it won't be a great fight. Yeah, I, you're right. I do agree with you on that whole footwork thing cuz he really does a whole lot of like his stance switches more more or less for show. Sure. I feel like. Yeah. And he could definitely walk into some because Peter Yan hits hard. Yeah. I was he hits very hard. I was at and, the fight. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I was at the fight with uh, him and Jimmy Rivera, and that was the first. That was the first UFC fight that I went to, and I just remember like I didn't know who Yan was going into that fight, yeah. so I watched a bunch of his shit before that card, and I go in there and I'm just like, dude, if this guy ran through Jimmy Rivera like that now. Jimmy Rivera isn't that good anymore. He's still a good fighter. He's talented, but for him to run through Jimmy Rivera like that, I don't know. I was just like, dude, I don't know. I feel yeah. like I feel like a lot of people are going to have problems with Peter Yan. And the only reason I think that Font is his hardest fight is because nobody can match the boxing of Peter Yan other than Rob Font. There's nobody in that. There, there's nobody in that division. I was going to say Garbrandt. That's a fight I wanted to see so bad. Was Garbrandt? And uh, and uh, Jan, obviously, I feel like if it happened now, I think Jan would just 
play with him for like a round and then kill him. Yeah, and then he would kill him the second round. Yeah. I think that one, the 125 pound division is the last chance for Cody Garbrandt to be a champion again, if I'm being honest with you. Yeah, you're, you're, because, you're right. Because he, I mean, yeah, he's had his, his fair share of like high caliber fights in the last, uh, I don't know, two, three years, but I don't think he can, he competes with a TJ Dillashaw anymore or Corey Sanhagen. I mean, yeah, no. I think you name it. I don't think he. I don't even think that he really competes well. Would compete well with Eldrin Sterling. I think he could. I'm going to be honest, and this is probably going to get me a lot of hate because I know there's a lot of people out there who like Eljamain Sterling, but uh, I honestly don't think Eljamain Sterling, if he went back and fought Corey Sandhagen, I think he might be able to get him because Corey gave up his back a lot in the Dillashaw yeah. fight, but. Anybody else in that top five, Aljamain Sterling loses to. He loses to Aldo. I think Aldo beats oh, yeah, him. Definitely Aldo. I think I think he loses to. I think Rob Font would be a good fight, but I think he just gets boxed up. I don't really think he he wins that one. Jan's gonna rip his arms off and glue him to his back. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I just, I don't. I think Aljamain's a great fighter. He's he went on a long win streak. He he obviously is good, but man, I just. I don't think Eljamain is is top level. Like he's top ten no. for sure, but top five, I don't think he's top five. Yeah, I think he's. I think he needs to just hang around with the top ten fighters because he's gonna fight. He's gonna fight Jan again, and then he's really gonna find out that that like how hard Jan really hits and how good of a fighter he really is. Because that last fight, you, I feel like you you shouldn't crown someone a champion on a, on a win like that. Like you actually have to win. Yeah. To win. You know? Yeah. I. Like, I, don't know. I don't know. I, I, like the fact that he was. Showboating that belt round after he yeah yep cried on that, <laughs> he cried on the canvas for twenty minutes until he realized that he was that he was gonna win that fight and then got up like nothing ever happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like I like Aljamain Sterling too. I think he's, I mean, I think he's good good for that division. I just I don't think that he's a, I don't think he's gonna be a champion ever mm-hmm. again after. I think John's gonna beat him and knock him out in dramatic fashion. If you ask me, that's just my opinion, but that's. That's down the road, I guess. No, I I mean, yeah, it's pretty close. I mean, it's honestly, I mean, it's the next fight coming up, but I agree yeah. with you. I don't think, I don't really think anyone at 35 is going to beat Peter Jan. And I've said this for a long time. Like after, after he beat Aldo the way that he did, I was like, dude, nobody's going to beat this guy at 35. I don't think Dillashaw beats him. I don't think Sandhagen beats him. I don't think, I think Corey would be. You know what I said? Font Font is probably his hardest fight in terms of the boxing, but all around yeah. MMA, I think Corey Sandhagen is is probably his hardest matchup. Exactly. But I guess I think that I think Aldo had a really good fight last, like his last fight. He looks really good too. So that division is definitely stacked. Yeah, I, I I was honestly, I I know a lot of people picked Pedro Munoz to beat Jose Aldo, but. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I was one of the only few people that I saw who do these podcasts and stuff who picked Aldo to win that fight, and it, it was just the speed. He was way too fast. He's way, oh, yeah. too, way fast. too fast. And he looks like he looks like the the Jose Aldo that, that fought Chad Mendez. Yeah, dude, he he, he really looked. I, I would love to see him and Jan run it back. I mean, that's honestly, I think that's one of my favorite fights. Like in my opinion, that's one of my favorite fights ever because it was competitive. They went back yeah. and forth, and then Jan just kind of drowned him. But early on, man, that fight was competitive. I mean, Aldo looked great. He really did until the end, and then I think that that that, that ref should have stopped it a little, like a tad bit earlier than he did, because at one point Jan was just he was just 
he was just hitting them to the point where Alba wasn't even like able to like he was just laying there. Yeah. No, I I, I, late I stoppage. Yeah, it was. I think I think it was late, but I don't know. Well, we'll we'll start it off with uh, the card. We'll just get to it because yes. <laughs> we'll be here for like three hours yeah. if we keep talking about this stuff. But correct. We'll start it off on the prelims in the heavyweight division. I think this is the first fight on the prelims. There's only three fights on on the prelims. I think there might be four, but uh, there, there's four. Oh, that's it's, right, um, the Roxanne Modafferi fight. Yeah, I'm so not. And eh, we're gonna skip that one. <laughs> like I, I don't know. Like it's it's a good fight, but I I don't really want to spend a lot of time on it. So. Up first is Shamil Abdurahimov. He's 20 and 5. He is ranked number 7 in the heavyweight division. He's going up against the number 10 ranked Chris Dawkins, who's 11 and 3. Um, Dawkins coming into this fight is a minus 180 favorite. Shamil is a plus 155. Uh, I think those odds should be a lot farther apart than they are. I think uh, I think Dawkins yeah. I think Dawkins should be like at least a 220 to a 250 favorite. I I don't know. You see that. Do you see those odds changing at all between now and then? I think if it like, changes, if it changes, I would. It's probably going to go to a heavier favorite for Dawkins. But if you're going to bet yeah. on it, if anyone's going to bet on it, do it now. Yeah, <laughs> honestly. Like I, I don't know. I'm going to be. I'm going to be honest. I've seen a few fights from Shamil. I I saw his Curtis Blades fight. He he kind of just looked like a walking can. I know he's not. He's got a good he's record. Good. He's got a good record. He's twenty and five. Honestly, I feel like if Shamil's going to win this fight, he has to take him to the ground. Um, I think any heavyweight that's outside of that top five who stands with Chris Dawkins on the feet, I think his boxing his it's not even that his boxing is good because I mean we know that from seeing his fights, but yeah. his hands are so quick for that heavyweight division. Aside from like the champion and even Francis Ngannou, his hands are not that quick. He, he's good. They just, they're just heavy. Yeah. He's not that quick. I think uh, Fran- I think that Dawkins has the best. He has the quickest hands and the sharpest boxing in the heavyweight division. I agree with you, and I definitely think that uh, that fight will not go three rounds. I think I, I give it a round to a round and eh, two rounds. I give it two rounds. Yeah, I would say it doesn't go over two rounds. I think. No. I think Dawkins like starts frustrating Shamil on the feet. He'll start landing one or two punches and then he'll start chaining them together. Three, four, five, six, seven. And uh, yeah. I think it's going to be close to how the Alexio Linick fight went, but without the grappling. Cause he almost got taken down a few times there. But I think, uh, I think he's just going to hurt him on the feet. He's going to get him to shell up and then he's going to land a shot and the ref's going to jump gonna, in. He's definitely going to pepper him early with yeah. a, lot of, a lot of volume. Yeah. So I think the first round, I think he's going to, I think he's going to like probably, Probably just ease into it. I think he's going to feel him out a little bit. And then second round, I think it's going to be – if it makes it that far, I think it will be completely him just peppering him with high, like high volume and like uh, just everything. Anything and everything is going to get thrown at him. Yeah, I I agree. I think uh, I think we get a knockout here from Dawkins, and then he'll move up to – I honestly, I'm going to be real. Before – because he was supposed to fight – Dawkins and Shamil were supposed to fight two times before this, and the fight kept getting canceled – because of yeah. COVID and everything. But before this fight, I didn't know who Shamil Abdurahimov was. I had I, never heard of him. And he's ranked number I seven. Remembered him from, uh, I only remembered him from the Curtis Blades fight. That, that was really it. Yeah, that's it. Like, I remember that fight, and but he's ranked before seven. That, no. Like, I don't I don't know how he's ranked seventh in the division. He, might, he must have beaten at least some good guys. Because 
Yeah, because you don't just get that for nothing. So yeah, you're, you're probably right. We yeah. just probably never followed him until he fought someone that was actually known. Because I mean, before I got really deep into watching like the UFC, I never really paid attention to much pre- like many prelim fighters to begin with. Yeah, it's it's getting so hard. <laughs> it's getting so hard with the UFC because. Like I'm glad we had that week break in between between the yeah. Smith card and the one before because like I didn't even do predictions for that card because man there's cards every week it's like there's you know 20 fights on a card at any given time if you do every single fight which I would never do there's no chance yeah. in hell I would ever break down the early no I I just I wouldn't have time so Four hour podcast. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, we're looking at five hours. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's true. So uh, yeah. I'm gonna go with Dawkins via a. I'll stick with second round. I think you're probably onto something there. I think it's close, kind of like what you said. If you don't feel him out, land a couple jabs, use some feints, and then once he starts to get those combos flying, I think Shamil just leaves his chin open. And it's probably going to be a TKO. I think he actually – t- Yeah, second round TKO. I think he TKOs him on the feet. I think the ref jumps in, and I think he just doesn't fall. I honestly think that's how it goes. He's on the feet, yeah. gets hit, and then whoever the ref is jumps in. If it's Herb Dean, he probably won't jump in. But <laughs> Yeah, you're right because he has a bad track record of not doing that at the right time. Yeah, like Derek Lewis said, it's Herb Dean fault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, so we're both going Dawkins second round KO. Yes, sir. All right, up next, good fight at lightweight. We don't know 100% if it's going to happen or not. Yeah, I was uh, about to say that. That one's questionable, but still we, a good fight. Yeah, it's a great fight. Uh, number eight, Dan Hooker. He's 20 and 10. Um, don't let that record fool you. I know that's like a Diaz Brothers type of record, but this guy's a monster. He's he's a lot better than people give him credit for. He's got a lot Good. He's fought some like some good level competition. He's that's the thing, and I heard a lot of people. I was saying that Hooker could get a submission here, and everybody was kind of saying that I'm like ridiculous. And it's like if you go back before he's you know fought Felder, before he fought Poirier, before he fought Barbosa, that guy was yeah. lo- was locking up guillotines. I mean, he got a if he gets a hold of your neck and can connect those hands, I think he can choke out just about anybody with that guillotine. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that one. And it's he's so good. He's good on the feet. And uh, when it comes he's to this, <laughs> I don't know how durable he is anymore. But yes, he was very durable before. <laughs> he got uh, that Barbosa fight. Uh, nobody would t- would have taken the shots that he took and uh, stayed in that fight. I one hundred percent think that nobody would have taken those shots at one fifty five. Um, no. I think the fight against Chandler, if Chandler landed that punch on anybody, they probably would have gotten knocked out. So I don't give him, I don't, I don't give him a, a, you know, I don't discredit him for that loss. And uh, the fight with Poirier, man, he should have been knocked out at least 10, like five or 10 times. And he almost knocked out Poirier. So you got to go back and think about that. That that was probably one of the best fights I've seen in a long time. They were just, they were just letting their, their hands fly. They, exactly, man. They they went they went back and forth. Poirier got hurt at the end of that round. Uh, I mean, he honestly got saved by the bell. He got hurt. He got yeah, peppered. He got peppered by Hooker. Hooker landed a knee. Once that knee landed, Poirier was out. He was out for at least like a few seconds, and then the ref oh, jumped yeah. in. If there was 10 or 15 more seconds in that fight, I think Hooker would have got the win, and we wouldn't even probably be talking about this right now. No. 
Definitely not. And I, and I think that if, if they – well, actually brings up a good question. You think if, if Hooker would have won that fight, you think that he would have fought McGregor, or you think it was still would have been a Poirier-McGregor rematch? I think – well – Khabib was still a no, no, no. Khabib had left when that fight happened, right? Yeah, yep. So I think he probably would have fought Charles Oliveira because I think I feel like they were supposed to fight. I don't know why I keep thinking this, but they were. I feel like they were supposed to fight at some point. Oh, you know what? No, I'm wrong. He he kept calling him Charlie Olives. They were never supposed to fight. Um, so I think that it would have been Hooker versus Oliveira. I don't think the Kevin Lee fight. I don't remember if that Kevin, no, no, no. That Kevin Lee fight was before this because that was like the last fight before COVID happened between Kevin Lee and Charles Oliveira. So I I think it probably would have been Hooker versus Oliveira. And then I think it would have been Poirier and McGregor, even if he would have lost. And then I think if that happened, then when, when Michael Chandler came into the UFC, he probably would have fought the winner of, uh, McGregor and Poirier. I think it would have just yeah, lined up different. That's a, that, that, that's a safe bet. It it's tough though, man. Hooker is he's very good. He uh, this is the problem with this fight for Hooker is I don't think a lot of people know this Nasrat Hakparast guy. I really don't. I think honestly to me he is a cleaner striker than Kelvin. He's Kelvin Gastelum if Gastelum didn't throw as many wild punches as he yeah. does. It's. I remember him from the um, from his last fight versus Garcia. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really the only time I've ever seen him fight. And then he fought. He fought Drew Dauber, but yeah. that was that, that was like the last known person that I've, yeah like actually knew mm-hmm. he fought. I know he came into the UFC with a lot of hype around him because I think he comes out of TriStar with Faraz Sahabi. Um, so I think Faraz was really high on him for a while. Yeah. But uh he's good. He, he's this is gonna be Southpaw versus Orthodox. So it, I say this on my po- I say I say this on my podcast all the time. This is a great fight, it's a tough fight. I would not bet on this fight if you're betting just because of Dan Hooker's whole situation with the visa and him maybe not being able to make the fight, and then you know we got Nasrat Hawk Parast, which you know, condolences out to him because he lost his mother right before this fight and he still is yeah, coming. He's and he's still coming in to fight. Like he doesn't care. Like he's still going to show up. So I think both of these guys, a lot of respect to him for that, honestly. Yeah. I think both of these guys are in a, in a tough spot. Um, hooker. It's a must win for him. If he loses to, to Nasrat, who's ranked, I think number 11, let me see. I have it written down right here. Oh, he's not even ranked. So a guy outside of the top 15, Fighting the number eight ranked Dan Hooker. If Hooker loses this fight, I mean he he's honestly screwed. Like you lose this and you're kind of fucked if you're Dan Hooker. Like yeah. So Hooker has to come into. Uh, what was that? Two losses in a row. Yeah. For- yeah. Poirier and uh, Chandler, yeah. which I guess you don't really want <laughs> unless your name's Conor McGregor or Khabib or Charles Oliveira. Those are not the worst two losses to have on your record, but. I mean, I think here's how it goes. When it comes to straight punches, kicks, and like keeping it at distance, Dan Hooker wins that fight 10 out of 10 times. Oh, yeah. If, 100%. if it goes into the boxing range and, you know, it's just about the speed of the hands and the combinations, um, Nasrat Hawk Pross wins that fight. It's, yeah. 
Dan Hooker has to mix it up. And Nasrat's a wrestler. He is a good grappler. He's got good defensive wrestling, good offensive wrestling. Um, I don't really think we're going to see any wrestling on either side unless um, Nasrat shoots because he's getting hurt on the feet. And in that case, I think it would line up for Hooker's guillotine that he likes to do. Um, he's very good at it, too. So that's uh, definitely a threat. It's, it's not a place you want to be against Dan Hooker. I think... Uh, Based on the fact that Nasrat is all about the, you know, rolling underneath shots and throwing the the right hook into the the straight left or the right hook of the left uppercut, he's good at uh, pairing them up together. He likes to go with the uppercut and then go with the hook on the same side um, just to kind of trick you up so you don't know which way to move your head. And I feel like with his head movement and his rolling underneath, nobody's got a better knee up the middle than Dan Hooker. <laughs> and... One hundred percent agree with you on that one. And I think, uh, I think he's either going to run into that knee, or if he can't close the distance, Hooker's just going to be able to chop that leg. He's going to chop the inside low kick because they're opposite stances, so it's going to go outside. It's not going to be outside low kick because that would be both in the same stance. So he's going to chop that inside leg. He's going to make have to make sure he sets it up though, because if you throw a naked low kick against this guy. I mean, I think Nasrock can catch him on the chin, and with Hooker not keeping his hands up, it it can be a problem. Definitely, such a hard, it's such a hard fight to pre- like to like predict because I, I feel like they're both coming into this fight, especially Dan Hooker. He's in die mode, so I feel like mm-hmm. I could definitely see this fight going all three rounds. I, I definitely see Hooker winning, and if it goes to a decision, it'd be a twenty nine twenty eight decision. Mm-hmm. If you ask me, yeah, that's that. That's my overall opinion on that fight because between the whole visa situation and the fact that he's on a two-fight like losing streak, I feel like this is definitely do or die for him. So I, I do see him winning though, but not. He, I don't see him getting a finish. So you think he's gonna? It's gonna go three rounds and he'll uh, he'll get the decision. I, I, I think it's gonna go three rounds, and I really hope it does because this fight would definitely be would call for millions of fireworks. I just feel like it's going to be a really good fight. This is a uh, main card type of fight, if you ask me. Yeah, I think think this could have easily made the main card. I think you could have put that Jessica Andrade and Cynthia Calvillo on the prelims, and that could have been one of your headliners, or you could have made Marab and Marais, which I think is the next fight we're going to talk about after this. You yeah. could have made that the headliner of the prelims. I mean, everybody wants to watch Marlon Moraes. And I mean, that's <laughs> they don't they don't do that guy any fucking favors when it comes to matchups. I'll say that. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna go with Hooker here. I think don't bet on this fight though. Like if you're if you're out there listening to my picks to bet on, normally my picks for bets are uh they're all right. I wouldn't say I got the best track record. I don't bet though, so I wouldn't know. Um, but I think stay away from this fight. If you're going to bet on it, bet that it goes – I would say bet that it goes to decision. I, I think there might be a finish, but I could easily see it going um, all three rounds like you said. I'm going to go yeah. with – I think Hooker starts chopping that low kick real early. I think it makes it a little bit harder for Nostra to close that distance and land those heavy shots. I think he's going to hurt Dan Hooker at one point. I think one of those punches are going to land just because Hooker doesn't keep his hands up. And, uh, but overall, I think those low kicks are going to leave Nasrat a little bit more stationary. And I think he's going to run into, uh, I don't want to call this knee because I've called this knee finish for Dan Hooker a few times on my podcast. He, a good knee, though. he does have that, that knee is very, very like 
a very useful tool of this because he uses a lot against Dustin Poirier. Yeah, it's he's just so long. Actually, he uses against everybody. He's so long, and with guys who like to roll their head, and you know, like with guys who like to slip and roll with the boxing combinations, yeah. it's a dangerous. Op- that it's dangerous. I mean, like you said, he almost landed it on Poirier a few times. Uh, yeah. I'll go with the knee for uh, yeah. Why not? All right, <laughs> I'll go with a. Yeah, I like the prediction. I do. I, I do like it. I'll go with a third round knee up the middle for Dan Hooker. Okay, I like it. And and you're going decision twenty nine twenty eight. Yeah, I, that's just it's just what, what I'm feeling. Honestly, I was gonna go for a uh, finish, but I, I definitely think it's just gonna be a, like a uh, decision one. I, I could see that for sure. Oh, all right. Um, so we'll, we're back now after the prediction for Hooker versus Hawk Parast, and we're gonna wrap it up for the prelims with the bantamweight fight between the number six ranked knockout artist, and that's pretty much. All he is. Uh, Magic Marlon Morice comes into this fight. 23 wins, 8 losses, and 1 no contest. Going up against Marab the Machine Davalishvili. Um, honestly, <laughs> this is a tough fight for both guys in different areas. But based on the fact that Marlon is so explosive... Uh, this is a one-round fight for Marlon Marais. It's a three-round fight for Marab. And that's, yeah, I was just about to say something very similar, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, well, you, you you know what? I usually start off with my thoughts, so why don't you start this one? Who, what, what are your thoughts on this? How do you think it's going to go? Um, give me the rundown. I personally think that, similar to the, uh, the Dan Hooker fight, I think that um, Marlon is going to come into this with a lot of do or die motive because I mean, as you know, he's got, he's got, he's had his fair share of losses in the past. He's had a victory since, uh, looks like 2019 against Jose Aldo. Yep. So, I mean, it was, a, it was a marketable win, but he also has lost two in a row in his last fight against what I want to say was Rob Font. Yeah. Yeah. He- so his last fight against Rob Font, he also obviously lost by TKO. So, a lot, of, a lot of these fighters that are on these two, two fight like losing streaks, mm-hmm. I think they come into to, to their next fight, especially when it's a pay per view fight like it is now. Mm-hmm. They're just uh, they got a do or die mode, uh, mindset. So I think he's going to come to this fight very. Uh, he's going to do a lot of walking down. Like I, I, I throw a lot of volume right out the gate. I, I definitely see him knocking, getting a knockout within the, a round. I really do. Yeah. I think that he's for a first round knockout and if, it, if he doesn't if he doesn't get one in the first round it definitely will go to a decision and, and at that at that point I think uh, I still give it to him but I think it would be very close I think it would be similar to the Dan Hooker fight mm-hmm. I think eh, 28-20 I don't think I, I think that that's how that one ends <laughs> if it, 28 if knockout, yeah. I think he's going to start out with moving forward I think it's going to Feel him out for for a few minutes. I think he's gonna, you know, chop that leg a little bit. And I think, I think within a, the first three minutes of the first round, uh-huh. I think he hits him with a pretty pretty hard combination. And I think he TKOs him. I could see it. I could see it. I, I I like the pick. I think I think Marlon is coming into this fight with a lot of uh, 
Like it, like you said, it, this is kind of do or die for him. If he ever wants to get back up to a title, he has to win yeah. here. Um, this is a very, very tough fight for him. Marab is a guy who doesn't get tired. And uh, Marais is a guy who gets really tired if you don't wilt to his pressure. We didn't know that until he fought Henry Cejudo. And if you go back and you watch that fight, I mean, Marlon Marais, he beat the shit out of Henry Cejudo in the first round. I oh, mean, yeah, that, I thought that he was going to win that fight in the first round. Yeah, he he was he was ripping his leg to bits. He was landing combinations on the feet, and he just got tired because Henry kept moving forward. He kept putting the pressure on him, yeah. and you know, eventually Marlon was like, "Man, I I can't do this shit anymore." And uh, you'll notice with Marlon is once he gets hit with a good shot, um, his whole dynamic changes in a fight. Like it's just survival mode almost. Yeah, it's he doesn't have I'm not gonna sit here and say he has a bad chin because he doesn't have a terrible chin, but the problem is the yeah, if you hit him with a good shot, um he's either gonna come forward and just try to land those heavy overhands and knock you out, or he's gonna kind of go into his shell and he's gonna shake his arms out and he's gonna move around for a little bit. That's exactly what he did against Rob Font. He started off with the takedowns. He he wrestled heavy in that fight, yeah. which was a good decision for Marlon. I don't think it was a bad idea to wrestle, but I don't think he expected Font's defensive grappling to be as good as it was. And uh, once they stood up, I think if you time it, it's about f- 30 seconds from when they stand up to when the finish happens for Rob. Like the minute they got back up to the feet and Font just started shrugging his shoulders and he landed like one or two jabs, Marlon was out of it. He was done. After the after that first jab landed really clean and Marlon kind of shook his head a little bit, that fight was over. It was the beginning of the end, honestly. Yeah, and I think uh I think Marlon has to come into this fight and he has to you can't go too crazy <laughs> because you don't want to just get tired like you normally do. But even if he stays yeah. reserved in the first round, I think he's still gonna get tired. It's just how Marlon is. He's got a lot of muscle. He's he's a he's a like, heavy he's, dude. He's very very, he, he's a very built individual. I will say that because when he came in the fight against uh, Henry Cejudo, that was one of the first things that pretty, pretty much everyone noticed. He came with, with a very good physique and definitely looked like he was in shape. Yeah, I think uh, very strong. Is, the thing with Marab is he's not a talented striker. I think anybody who watches MMA even remotely can tell that he's not a good striker, but the problem is he can chain those takedowns in the punches and the punches yeah. to takedowns and the takedowns to punches. And you don't know what's happening. He'll throw a kick. He'll throw a lead high kick and he'll go right in for your hips. Like a lot yeah, of his, on the ground, yeah. a lot of his takedowns, he'll chain them together. Like he'll go for a double leg. You'll stop it. He'll go for a head on the inside single. You'll stuff it. He'll go to the body lock. He'll trip you. It's it's kind of like a Khabib. I mean, they're both similar. I think they both come from the same backgrounds. Um, yeah. And I think – I just think Marlon, if he doesn't get it done in the first round, he's going to get um, 29 tw- – honestly, I'm going to go 29-26. I think that after the first round, it's 10-8s for Marlon. Okay. All right. So I, I, I want to pick Marlon because I want to see him – win like yeah, I, so I i, I want to see him go back to you know the top of the division but this is a tough fucking fight for him rob font really? was a tough fight Corey sandhagen's a tough was a tough fight 
They're not doing Marlon Marais any favors in the UFC. Well, I mean, if you can get past this fight, well, definitely it won't be any easier going forward, so you might as well just get used to it. Yeah, I, I, I'm going with... That division is, I mean, it's just full of absolute monsters, so no matter who he fights in the top, anyone in the top 15, really, top 10, I'd say. Yeah. It's a tough, tough fight. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think once Marlon got figured out, it was kind of the same story every fight after that. Like, yeah. if if you don't... He's got a really good lead switch kick. If I'm Marlon, I'm throwing that shit like five times right at the beginning of the fight. Like, I'm just trying to get him out of there as quickly as I can. But you can't overcommit against a guy like Marab because you're just going to run right into his takedowns. You're going to give up your hips. And the problem with this fight is Marais has a very, very good guillotine. But... The way Marab shoots his takedowns, he doesn't really leave himself open for a guillotine because he shoots a lot of his stuff either up against the cage or he shoots from the body lock or he shoots from that head on the inside single leg. And those don't really give you the opportunity to lock up that guillotine choke if they shoot. So I think uh, I think Marab wins this, but I am pulling for Marais to get a first-round finish. Like, I want it to happen. I just I really hope so, too. I would love to see it. I would love to see him get a knockout. But whatever, if you can get a first round finish, that would be ideal. Yeah. So I'm going with Morab uh, to get the win via, I think I said 29-20. I'll go 29-27. I don't want to completely shit on Marais. So 29-27, unanimous decision. And then what is your official pick? Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with my gut and I'm going to say, uh, Marlon decision 28 27 okay okay marlin decision yeah. i like it it's it's yeah. it's brave with the decision because, from uh, kind of like doing a prediction and making it like a first round knockout i don't know after after two losses in a row you gotta go with the safe bet and just say a decision yeah so yeah that's the name. I mean, it's kind of the same story with Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. Like, he he went into that fight against Alessio De Chirico, and I think everybody picked against him, and then he gets a first-round knockout, and now everybody's back on him saying, oh, he's so good, he's so this. It's like Marlon has to come out of this fight with a signature performance, and if he doesn't, even if he wins a close decision, it doesn't do much for him. So I, I feel like he needs to get the finish, and but I like him. To get the finish for uh, the purpose of, you know, coming off a two-fight losing streak. I think a finish would do him some justice. Yeah, I I agree. But all right, well, <laughs> there you go. That's one fight we're disagreeing on. We were we were we were and pretty. I, I, I was just about to say that that was the first fight that we didn't agree on. <laughs> all right. So yeah. Now we'll move to the main card, and uh, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this fight because. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, it's the number one ranked Jessica Andrade. She's coming in here 21 and nine going up against the number five ranked Cynthia Calvillo, nine wins, two losses, one, no contest or one draw, whatever the hell it is. Um, yeah. Cynthia Calvillo has never impressed me. Uh, I'm not saying she's not a good fighter. She, a lot of people call her like the female Diaz brothers. Like she's just a lot of pace and a lot of pressure and pushing you backwards and, that yeah it's kind of she's not technically sharp in any one area but she's good enough everywhere to make it a tough fight for you and uh 
I just think Jessica Andrade is too powerful for a lot of these girls at 125. I think, I think obviously, um, what the hell? The girl who's fighting on the damn card. Oh, Valentina Shevchenko. I think Valentina's, Valentina's a different beast. Um, and even she had, I mean, it was a dominant win for her, but you could tell how strong Andrade was just from that fight. She was able to kind of throw her around in some, in some, uh, you know, in some clinch positions. Um, so I'm going to go with Andrade here. I think she, I think it's similar to the Caitlin Chukagian fight. I think they both come to the center. I think Calvillo tries to put a little bit too much pressure on, uh, Andrade and then she gets caught with a shot, gets hurt and we get a first round TKO for Andrade. Yeah. I honestly, that's exactly what, what I'm thinking too, especially because Andrade has just like an absolute like, if you look at the records, the experience difference is, like, it's, like, doubled. Like, mm-hmm. 21 compared to a 9-2 and two and 1 record. I just feel like the experience can, can definitely, is definitely going to be noticeable. I, I just, yeah, I just think it will be a uh, first or second round knockout. Yeah, I I agree. And uh, we're going to just move on because, like, like we said, we got a lot of fights on this card. But, uh, yeah. Andrade first round KO. I mean, I don't, there's not much else to say. She's too strong for a lot of these girls. And I think you'll see that the longer she fights at 125. Uh, I want to see Rose and Shevchenko fight so bad, but they, but they train together. So they don't do that that too often unless one of the two leaves the gym. Like in the, um, who is Gilbert Burns in, uh, Usman. And, uh, yeah, Usman and Burns. Yep. That was like the only instance that, that that's ever happened, really. I mean, I guess Colby Covington and George Masvidal, but they haven't fought yet. <laughs> they need to fight. They need to they fight. Need to fight yeah. Jorge's next fight needs to either be Colby. Well, Colby's fighting for the title, so. Uh, who you can even put against George next, honestly? Leon Edwards, man. What the fuck? Why? What is taking so long for yeah, them? They already fought. No, they never did. It... No, um... What's his name? Uh, the Masvidal punched Leon Edwards backstage, but they never fought. Yeah, no, that's what I was referring to. Yeah. <laughs> oh, see, you got one over on me because it went right over my head. <laughs> uh, um, but I want to see that fight. I honestly think Edwards wins that fight pretty decisively. Oh, yeah. I, I totally agree with you on that one. And that would be something that happens in the, in the future, but I don't know. I think they're – I don't see – Jorge Masvidal fight anytime before the end of the year, like before 2022. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, I, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna say this, and I say this to everybody because everybody was shitting on me for the pick that I made for this fight. But when Usman and Masvidal fought the second time, I don't think anybody picked Usman to win by knockout. I looked everywhere, and I remember. On the podcast, I said he's training with Trevor Whitman. That guy's hands are going to be so much better in this fight, which they're still not great, but they're a lot better than they were. And uh, I I just thought that, like, he was going to get caught with a shot because he was going to disrespect the striking of Usman. I mean, he, he, and he did. You watch the fight, he kept his hands down the whole time. He'd throw a hook here and there, and then he'd kind of just move around and be like, you know, whatever, stick his tongue out. And uh, honestly, I, I, (laughs) Some guy hit me up on Twitter and he was like, 
if you think Usman's going to knock out Masvidal, you're on some type of shit. And I'm just like, all right, whatever. And then after the fight, I remember I found his tweet and I replied and I'm like, you doing okay, man? I'm like, I'm like, how's, uh, how's game bread doing? Are you okay? And he just never replied. But I was like, you know, I have to, sometimes I got to give him shit back. <laughs> that, was the, that was one of the fastest like jabs I've ever seen in like the welterweight division in the last three years, probably. Yeah. The way he set up that straight left hand. I mean, it was, it was pretty dominant. Disgusting. It, it was and the way that George's, his head just whipped. <laughs> yeah. But flew off. It was Unreal. It it was it was a it he was, was a, he was legitimately folded like a lawn chair. Yeah, and you could see like all the sweat fly off his head when he got hit. It was it was a bad one. I never I would never have imagined that. that they may have fallen back yards. I, I don't know. Like he was pretty pretty tough. I I just didn't see him get knocked out, but I think crazy thing happens. You know. Yeah. Um. All right, well, up next we'll go to the heavyweight division, but we're both going with Andrade here, right? Yeah, definitely. Are you going first round KO or what? Uh, I'm going to go second round just because I think you said first round. So okay. we'll All right. All right. Okay. I like it. At least one of us will be right if it happens. Yeah, or we'll be completely wrong and Calvillo yeah, will win. All right, so – Let's move to the heavyweight division. I don't think we're going to spend a whole lot of time on this fight either because it's kind of either going to go one way or another. And uh, I think uh, it's obviously the number four ranked Curtis Razor Blades. He's 14-3 and three overall. Going up against the number six ranked Jairzinho Rosenstrike, who's 12-2 uh, and two overall as a professional. This is wrestler versus – this is grappler versus striker. If – Curtis Blades gets in on the hips of Jairzinho and he gets in on him over and over again. He wins this fight 10 out of 10 times. Definitely. Um, you know, Rosenstrike has shown to not be that good of a defensive grappler. If you go back and watch the Alistair Overeem fight, he got taken down and out-wrestled by Overeem for 24 minutes and 55 seconds. <laughs> and then he knocked him out at in the last in the last few seconds. He knocked him out at the bell. And uh, I have never really been super impressed with Curtis Blades. Not that I don't think he's a good fighter. I don't want to sit here and say I think he's shitty. He's good. He's got good wrestling. He can push yeah, a pace. He has one, the one good tool, and that's wrestling. Yeah, he's he's probably one of the best wrestlers in the UFC now that you know DC is gone, and he's definitely probably the best wrestler in the heavyweight division. But the yeah, problem, but the problem is. If you got heavy hands, if you got heavy hands on you, um, and you have good takedown defense, you're gonna knock out Curtis Blades. And against Derek Lewis, it's that's the thing. Like he couldn't even really get takedowns against Lewis. Lewis showed that he had good takedown defense, and he just didn't set up the takedown. Lewis wound up that punch from freaking Houston, Texas. I mean, you could literally, if you pause it, you could see him winding up for the uppercut, yeah. like. It was there was no it was no sharp striking it was no hidden behind anything he just timed it and he caught him with the uppercut and he knocked him out and yeah, uppercut was fast for <laughs> his size it was it was a rough uppercut it, it was pretty it was pretty bad and uh, I never would have imagined that like going I mean I imagined it going that way but I didn't imagine it being like that no no I uh, I picked Curtis Blades I I thought that. He was going to be able to kind of do what DC did to Derek Lewis. And obviously I was wrong. And I'm kind of glad that I was because I love Derek Lewis. I'm happy he got a shot at the. 
great. I'm happy he got a shot at the title, but his balls were a little too hot for that one. Yeah, and uh, and he, he got pretty much outclassed. But in this fight, Jairzinho, he's very good on the feet. He's not the most – he his stuff that he does doesn't look pretty. He, I'm not going to sit here and say he's like a serial gun when it comes to striking in the heavyweight division – but yeah. that guy can switch stances very well. He hides his combinations very good. Um, he'll throw like a lead uppercut and he'll step into southpaw and he'll land that right hook, but he'll step into a different stance. So you don't really see where the power is coming from. And yeah. I think based on that, the way that he's able to, and he's got a really good ability to kind of check a kick and then come back and fire an inside or outside kick of his own. He's very good at kind of, leaning with a kick that you throw or leaning with a punch and then timing it with an inside or an outside low kick. And then he'll come back with his combinations. I think Derek Lewis or Derek Lewis, he's not even fighting. I, I think Curtis blades um, leaves himself open. And I think he wins the first round off of his wrestling. I think in the second round, he again shoots a sloppy takedown and he, uh, he gets knocked out. I think Curtis, I think he gets hit on the, yeah. I, hold on one second. Hold on one second. Hello? Can you hear me? Okay, cool. Sorry, I just took it off speaker for a second. But, uh, all right. So I'm going with Jairzinho. I think second round he times one of Curtis Blade's entries and catches him on the chin and knocks him out. I'm going to actually disagree. Not disagree, but I'm going to go with uh, Curtis Blades on this one. I think his wrestling is going to overpower this entire fight. He'll definitely go to a, to a decision. Mm-hmm. I think he went 32, 29, or 28. I'm going to go with 28. Okay. Okay. I think he's going to secure a lot of takedowns. Mm-hmm. Takedowns and have a lot of control. Yeah, so I, I agree. I think I think if it, I think if Curtis Blades wrestling starts to work and it works early and often, then it's just going to be a uh, ten takedowns for Curtis Blades. Like he's just gonna. I think he's gonna tire him out on the ground to the point where when when they get to the feet, there's just no energy. He's just gonna keep going for takedowns, and it's just gonna he's gonna wear him down, wear him down. Rosa Strike's gonna. It's just, it's just gonna be it. I think it's gonna be a. I think it's be a very boring fight, but I think it's gonna be a very technical. Technically wrestling fight. Yeah. I I oh. I think you you could be completely right on this one. And I seem to always pick against Curtis Blades. And the one time I picked Curtis Blades was yeah. against uh Derek Lewis and he got knocked out. So yeah. so yeah. um I just I, I'd have no faith in the durability of Curtis Blades. Um and Biggie Boy is probably the second hardest puncher or third hardest puncher behind Derek Lewis at heavyweight. So I feel like he's just going to get caught and that's going to be it. He's going to get hit on the chin and knocked out in the second round. All right. Yeah. I I mean, you got decision for blades or you got a knockout for Curtis blades, right? Or you said decision, didn't you? I said uh, decision and he's going to uh, just kind of wrestle I I could see it going that way 100%. This is a really hard fight to call cuz it's either going to go one way or the other and it could go it could go either way so easily. It's it's so hard to decide. Yeah. All right. Up next, 
the fight that everybody seems to be wanting to see. I'm pretty, yeah, <laughs> the real main event. I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, I'm not. Too, yeah, it's five rounder. Um, it was originally going to be at welterweight. Now they moved it to 185. Uh, kind of makes you question what's going on with Nick Diaz. What's going on with his camp? Can he not make weight? Like it, it obviously came from the Diaz side, because if you listen to a lot of the interviews from uh, Robbie Lawler, you you can hear that yeah. he's in shape. He said he's going to come in underweight. Like he was ready to go. He was in good shape for this fight. He, he trained really hard. I think Diaz, part of me thinks it's not even that he can't make the weight. It's that he doesn't want to. So he asked if they would move it to middleweight. And since he's such a big star and this is such a big fight, they kind of just did him a favor. I, It's either that or he just couldn't make weight. There was a rumor. I just don't think he wanted to cut weight at all. I feel like he, they, he came up with the idea last second. Like, oh, let's just ask the uh, ask if we can go to uh, middleweight. Why not? Yeah. My first fight in five, five plus years or whatever yeah. it is, five years. Yeah. I think they'll do whatever I want them to do. So. Pretty yeah, much. I yeah, I think I think that's exactly. Don't change much within the fight. I mean, you're not going to notice really. Like if you were, like if if they didn't announce what the weight was beforehand, I feel like no one would even notice. No, I don't think I don't think it's going to make a huge difference. They're both 170 years fighting at 185. Uh, Waller has. Round it. Lawler has more experience at middleweight because I think he fought in middleweight in strike force. I could be wrong, but uh, I think, yeah, I think you're right. It's, it, it's one of those things where here's how the fight's going to go. Either Nick Diaz is going to get knocked out in the first round. I think, I think Lawler comes into this fight with a lot of pent up frustration and anger, kind of like the Ben Askren fight. Um, yeah. which he didn't lose in my opinion. I'm going to go on a, he definitely did not lose that fight. And the last time I have it written down here, the last time that Lawler got submitted, because I know everyone's going to say the jujitsu of Nick Diaz is going to play a big factor in this fight, which I think it would be very smart of Diaz to try start going for takedowns and go for takedowns as early as you can to try to tire out Robbie Lawler. Cause the takedowns seem to work very good, um, for Neil Magny. That's kind of how he controlled the entire fight. But yeah. I, if you go back and you look at Robbie Lawler's record, the last time Lawler lost by submission was on January 29th of 2011 against Jacare Souza, which you can't fault him. And th that actually happened on a strike force card where Nick Diaz was the main event against cyborg. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. And another thing, this fight is happening 209 events since the first fight. Or 209 yeah. weeks or 209 months. Yeah, it's, yeah, it was weeks. I've seen it on Twitter. I was, they could not have planned that any better. Yes. It's, it's just wild how that worked out. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I'm going to – I went back and forth because originally I said I thought Robbie Lawler was going to come in here, hurt Nick Diaz early, and finish him. I think that's definitely a possibility. Um, I, think, I think Robbie is definitely going to be the more – polished fighter coming into this fight. I think he's better. He's had way more competition since, you know, the whole marijuana suspension thing happened for Nick Diaz. Um, yeah. Nick Diaz last fight was against Anderson Silva at UFC 183. Um, I think if Diaz wins this, it's going to be the, the fact that he survives the early barrage of Robbie Lawler in the first round. And then he just kind of lands his pity pat. 
He lands the pop, 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 rip to the body. Pop, 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 rip to the body, yeah, go pop, up top. Yeah, yeah. That's how he's going to win. It's going to be the fact of him being more active and him putting the pressure on Robbie Lawler. And honestly, I think that can work against how the Robbie Lawler that we know now because if you put pressure on Lawler in his last two, three, four fights, he can't seem to get on the gas after you already take control. If you start... If you start early and you're taking control against Robbie Lawler, and it's a this is a five round fight, so I could see it going a little bit different. I, I think that changes a little bit of it. But the fact that it's five rounds, it could play into the fact the the case of Robbie. But if he gets behind after he hurts Nick Diaz in the first round, because I do think he's going to hurt Nick Diaz at one point in this fight, I definitely think he's going to crack him on the chin and probably. I think he's going to hurt him in the first round. Yeah, I think. That's crazy that they said because I was actually uh, I was thinking about that earlier. Like, I really have only seen Nick Diaz hurt maybe a handful of times. Both of the brothers for that matter. Like, they they're very durable. They both are extremely durable. But Robbie Lauer does have very very heavy when he lands. Yeah, and uh, I think it could be a similar situation to the Ben Askren fight. Not like it ending in controversy or anything. But yeah, I think that was I didn't like the way that one ended. I think it starts off, and I think Robbie goes for broke. Like, the minute this fight starts, I think he runs across the cage, kind of like he did against Donald Cerrone in their fight. I think he just goes for knees in the clinch. He starts throwing his left hand, starts throwing uppercuts, and I think Diaz gets hurt. I think he weathers the storm, kind of like the Paul Daly fight, and I think he starts using his wrestling and his jujitsu. I don't necessarily think he's going to get takedowns, but I think he's going to be able to tie up Robbie Lawler if Lawler jumps on him on the ground. And I think he's going to get his wits about him, kind of, you know, be able to recover a little bit. And then the second round, that's when Nick will start to pick it up. He'll push him back. He'll just go pop, 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 pop. And I think that's going to win him the second and the third round. So I think we're going to get a 29-20. Or, well, it's a it's a five-rounder. So I think I think since it's five rounds. 49-45? No. 49-47? Since it's five rounds, I'm going to go with Nick to get a finish. Yeah. If it was three rounds, I think he wins two out of the three rounds via decision. But since it's five, I think Nick Diaz, just based on volume and accumulation, I think Robbie starts not being able to defend himself too well, and the ref jumps in. And I think we get a – I'm going to go with a fourth-round TKO for Nick Diaz. I'm going to – I'm definitely going to agree with you on the uh... – of the fourth round aspect because that guy's cardio is insane. I mean, he just did a triathlon, so he's definitely in good shape. But I'm gonna I'm gonna switch it up a little bit. I think he's going to get a fourth round submission. Okay, so we got cut off again, and again, it only lets me go for thirty minutes at a time. But go ahead and wrap up with what you were saying. You said fourth round submission for Nick Diaz. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I wasn't sure. I'm not sure exactly how, like what type of sub he's gonna use, but. I definitely see him get a submission. I, I mean, and by C, I mean, I would like him to get a submission. <laughs> that's, that's my ideal first fight back in the UFC win for Nick Diaz. And I really hope that that happens. But either way, I do see him winning this fight. And I have high hopes that it's going to be a fourth-round submission. I I could definitely the, see that. I, I mean, I, got, I guess I call this. Man. I'm going I'm to call a triangle. You're going to call a triangle? Just for... You know, just for the, uh, I'm just going to throw that guess out there. I could see it. I think that's probably 
one of the most likely submissions he would get. Either that or a rear naked choke. I couldn't really see him yeah. getting any. If he pulled off like a go go plotter or something, that'd be kind of crazy. <laughs> so I kind of like how that pick went. I think uh, I think we got fourth round TKO and a fourth round submission for Nick Diaz. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised that. Um, that we both went with Nick Diaz. I originally thought one of us was going to pick Robbie Lawler. Yeah, no, I was leaning for, for like a couple days. I was leaning towards him. I realized that I'm a big Diaz fan between Nate and Nick, so I'm going to go with with Nick. I, I can't go against him. If here's a question, and we'll we'll go with this for a little bit longer. If Diaz wins this fight. There's a rumor going around, and obviously it was started by Chael Sonnen, so I don't want to put any real credit into that, but he said there is a plan for him to call out Khabib to come back for a fight at 170. <laughs> yeah, that would be an interesting fight, but I feel like if, uh, if Khabib's going to fight anybody at 170, I would love to see him fight Usman. I think so, too. I think Usman at uh, 170. Yeah. Fight uh, a Diaz brother. I think he's got to come back for a lot more than that, like DSP or a... Uh, mm-hmm. And Usman, I, I, I mean, it's a good call out, but it would never happen. I, I think that Nick Diaz is going to fight. I feel like he could fight Jorge Masvidal uh-huh. if he wins. I, I'm glad that you said that because that's exactly what I was going to say next. I think if he wins this fight, he's only going to fight one more time, and it's going to be against Jorge to try to avenge his brother's loss because the yeah. controversial ending to that fight. Yeah, and Nick Diaz didn't quite like uh, – Oh, Jorge said he didn't get a chance to baptize Nate, so that's another reason why I feel like Nick really wants to fight him too. I mean, don't get me wrong, I would love to see a fight Khabib, but I, that's just unrealistic. It's just not, I just don't see that happening. Khabib's going to keep his keep his promise in that fight. That's yeah. Gonna- I, I agree. I don't think Khabib needs to fight. There are some people I'd like to see him fight. Like, uh, I love the Usman match. I think, I honestly think Khabib wins that. I think just because I'm going to go out and say this and people are probably going to disagree with me, but I know I talked up Usman striking a little bit ago and he is getting a hell of a lot better, but against a Khabib, who's going to throw the same type of game plan at Usman that he likes to use, but do it with a lot more efficiency and a lot more technical, like he's going to do it a lot more technical than Usman would. I feel like, Khabib striking would actually work better for him against Usman than Usman's would against Khabib. Yeah, I agree with you. But I, really. I like. I, I just don't see him fighting. Like, it would have to take a lot of either a lot of money, which I also don't see Khabib like thinking that to go against the promise that he made. Mm-hmm. But, but there has to be a, like something very big on the line for him to uh, back and fight. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't I, think. I think. I think Masvidal is the the best fight for Nick Diaz. If he wins, it's going to be Masvidal versus Nick Diaz. They're going to do it. Um, Here's a uh, wild card. uh Anderson Silva comes back and he fights Anderson Silva again. I mean, I honestly wouldn't mind seeing it, but... I mean, that's another one that probably wouldn't happen regardless. I think Jorge Masvidal is the best fight here. I think I, I'd love to see Nick and Anderson fight again just because the first fight was so like I mean it was basically one sided, but there was a lot of funny moments in that fight. I think uh 
Part. Yeah. yeah yeah and then he freaking walked his all the way across the cage and put his back on the cage and was like come on we're gonna do your game for a little bit yeah um but if anybody fights anderson silva next it should be jake paul so we can end that whole charade going on with you started yeah we're not i can't because if we start talking about that we'll be here for a long time <laughs> and i'll get very very heated very fast yeah i i i I don't know. I don't. Jake Paul is just. It's Jake Paul. I, that's all I gotta say. But yeah. All I right. Really it, I really wish it wasn't like that. But yeah, you're right. <laughs> I really wish Woodley would have done his job in there. But I had a feeling he was gonna lose that one. Yeah. All right. We're gonna move to the flyweight, the women's flyweight championship fight with the most dominant. Champion in the UFC, um, Valentina the Bullet Shevchenko. She comes in here with a record of 21 victories and three defeats. Um, she's a minus 1250 favorite, <laughs> going up against going up against the number three ranked Lucky Lauren Murphy, who comes in as a plus 750. And uh, she is, I think, her record's 15 and four. Yeah, 15 and four. Um, Go ahead and kick us off. What do you think is going to happen? Oh, we already know what's going to happen. Shevchenko's just going to have another successful title defense. That's the bottom line. I First, one and a half rounds. I give her one and a half rounds to knock her out. I I agree. I think That's all I, I got to say. Here's, here's something I will give Lauren Murphy a little bit of credit for. Um, is she a good striker? No. Is she technical on the feet? Um, no, but she picks her shots pretty well. Her jab, her cross, they're, they're decent. When she throws punches, she doesn't overextend. I think that could play a little bit of a factor for Lauren Murphy the longer the fight goes. Um, the one thing I will give her, man, is she is durable. That girl that girl can take a beating and keep on going. And, uh, I think that's why I said one and a half rounds because I, I think that she's going to definitely be durable for the first hard five or six shots that she's going to yeah. take. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think I think you could be 100% right. I'm going to give Lauren Murphy a little bit longer. I'm going to say that she actually wins one round. I don't – I look, look, I don't think Lauren Murphy's going to win the fight. I, I'm not going to sit here and say that she's going to win because I don't think she's going to win. But oh, I, I do think that her her forward pressure and her, her strength – I know Valentina's probably stronger, but I think that when it comes to the clinch positions, I think she's going to be able to get Valentina down at least once. Um, you know, Jennifer Maya got her down in their fight. There was a, and once she got her to the ground, Valentina wasn't really able to get back up. So she yeah, ended the round on her back. She ended the round on her back. I feel like she's going to get her down in the first round. And then when it comes to the second round, she's going to get lit up on the feet. She's going to get dropped, and she's going to get finished in the crucifix position just like Jessica Andrade did. Yeah. I'm going to up my stakes a little bit. I know that this probably won't happen, but it's always cool to, like, throw these wild guesses out here. I think Shevchenko is going to knock her out with a head kick. I'm going to call it. I think she's going to knock her out with a head kick. I, I, dude, that, that could 100% happen. I like the pick. Um, if she knocks her out on the feet, I do think it would be a kick. So I like the... I like the head yeah. kick call. Yeah, set it up to, to the with a couple uh, with a jab, hook, and then something to the body. Mm-hmm. And as, as she's going down to block, I think yeah. that's when that's going to come around. 
So kind of like the Jessica I knockout. You think it'll be that brutal? Uh, I hope so, but uh, <laughs> yeah. We'll see. But that, I'm, I'm just gonna. I like to throw a little bit of like curveball on these uh, predictions now. Yeah, I feel like kind of cool to do. Yeah, especially with the uh, with this co-main and the main event coming up. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little bit of a just a little add a little curveball to it. Yeah, I. I agree. Um, I think she could definitely get a, a, a knockout via head kick. Um, I like the first round call. I think I think you could definitely be right there. I'm going to stick with the second round ground and pound TKO. Um, I, I just think Valentina's stronger. Huh? On the crucifix? Yeah, crucifix position. Just because okay. she got it against Andrade, and once she got it, it was kind of over. And same with the Caitlin Chukagian fight. She got both of her last two fights in the same position, and once she was there, the fight was over. So um, I like that position for Valentina, and I think after this fight, and you got to fight Amanda Nunes again. I mean, I'm sorry. There's nothing else for you to do. Like, Yeah, honestly. All right. Well, we'll get to the fight that we both want to talk about, the big fight, the main event. For the featherweight championship, you got the champion Alexander the Great Volkanovsky. He's a minus one seventy favorite coming in, twenty two victories, one defeat, going up against the number two ranked reformed uh, Brian T. City Ortega, coming off a really impressive win and a dominant win over the Korean Zombie. Um, he comes into this fight fifteen wins, one loss. He's a plus one fifty underdog. Um, combined records for both of these guys, you got thirty seven wins and two losses. So. It's probably one of the highest level fights you're going to get in the UFC. It's definitely one of the best fights you're going to get in the featherweight division. Um, I'll let you kick it off. Sounds good. Um, I per- all right, So personally, as you probably could have guessed, I would love to see Brian Ortega win. Uh-huh. Uh, I just think that he has really, really came a long way since that like, next Holloway fight. I feel like he uh, his striking's improved night and day. Mm-hmm. But I... Uh, I just really don't think that it's going it's to work out in his favor. I think Volkanovski is going to win again. I think that Volkanovski is powerful, just too technical, too fast unit for this guy. Thanks. I do think Brian Ortega is very, very powerful and very um, controlling on the ground. Like his, his jiu-jitsu is unmatched compared to Volkanovski. So if it gets on the ground, we might he might get in some trouble. But... I think it, I think it goes all five rounds. I think that uh, Volkanovski wins via 50-49. But here's what I will say: I I would love to see Brian Ortega win only because he wins and then he gets his rematch against Max Holloway. That's what I really would love to see okay. because Max was really really robbed of his his last um, title shot against Volkanovski. I definitely think that uh-huh. Holloway won. Okay. Okay. Well, that's something we disagree on. So it's funny you brought that up, which I figured you would because we're talking about this fight. But I just rewatched um, Volkanovski and Holloway, and I know you did too because I saw you post it somewhere. Yeah. And uh, I watched it today, and here's how I scored it. You can you can disagree with me because I know a lot of people probably do because I know everybody picked Holloway to win. Um, Holloway won the first round. He obviously got the knockdown with a head kick. That was a close round, but. I did give it to Holloway because if it's a close round and you get a knockdown, I mean, you win the round. It doesn't matter who you are. Um, Second round, I gave to Holloway. I thought he kind of did the same thing as he did in the first round. He dropped Volkanovski twice. So he wins that round too. 
I thought Volkanovski came back and I thought he wiped out the last three rounds. I had Volkanovski, I had Volkanovski 48, 47. I think third round easily went to Volkanovski. I think fourth round was pretty close, but the problem with this fight for Max was Volkanovski. Once he started being able to push Max backwards, um, Max kind of went back to the same way he did in the first fight. And it's not that he didn't do good. He did. He The body kicks for Max worked very well. He landed a lot of really good kicks to the body. I think that's something that Ortega is going to look for in this fight. But um, he got two takedowns in the fourth. No, yeah, in the fourth round. And then he got another two takedowns in the fifth. So I had I thought they did, they scored it right. I thought it was 48-47 Volkanovski. Well, honestly, I would have never even thought that. Like, I thought that I, I would have imagined both of us agree. Crazy that that, that we uh, disagree, which is fine. It's actually kind of cool that we disagree yeah. on certain things like this. Yeah, it's 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 good to disagree. You can't yeah. agree. For conversation purposes. Yeah. No, I I, I think uh, I've, I'm a huge Volkanovski fan. I like Holloway yeah. a lot. I like how. I mean, how can you not be a fan of him? Exactly. I think. I think that based on striking, I think he is the second best striker in the UFC behind Israel. I'm going to put it out there. I know people are going to say Connor's the best striker or Dustin Poirier. I think he's definitely top five. Um, here's the thing with Ortega. Um, you go back and you watch the um, Korean zombie fight, and he looked amazing. I mean, it was the best Brian Ortega's ever looked. He, he yeah. won every single round. It was a dominant performance from him. Um, the problem was, you know, even though he looked dominant, there were areas in that fight that I think Volkanovski is going to exploit, and he's going to exploit them very well. So because, yeah, like you're like fighting against something like Korean Zombie compared to Volkanovski is like it's a complete difference. Like there's not, it's not the same caliber. So you you are definitely right on that. I think. I think a big area of this fight, and it's a big area of the fight for Volkanovski in every fight, it's those inside low kicks, man. Those yeah. inside-outside low kicks. He chains them together with his combinations. He's really good at hiding it behind his jab. He did it a lot against – he did it against Mendez, and that actually led up to the combination that led to the finish up against the cage. Um, he's yeah. very good at timing it with his jab. So as you go to slip the jab and you're, you're uh, heavy on your lead leg – he can chop that leg as he's throwing the jab. They almost come at you at the exact same time. And the fact that... It's a that deadly combination, if you ask me. It's what? It's a deadly combination. Exactly. And, and another thing. Ortega has never fought anybody who uses fakes and feints like Alexander Volkanovsky. Very true. There's nobody in that division at 145, besides I would say Connor, but Connor's not there anymore. Who, yeah. who uses fakes and feints as well and as effective as a Volkanovsky. He never throws a combination without setting it up. If you watch all of his fights, I watched um, the Mendez fight and both Holloway fights. I watched those today. And yeah. if you go back and watch it, everything he did was set up. He's, he kind of reminds me of like, if you, you know, like the Newton's cradle, that thing where you throw the, you know, you throw like the little, it's like the little science thing where you throw the, balls back and forth to each other and they kind of hit and it goes like ding 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 um i kind of see him as that and i know it kind of sounds weird but he's a guy where if he's coming forward he's gonna he's gonna be landing shots on you because he's very effective but 
when you come at him, he's going to be there to counter you. So anywhere this fight takes place, whether he's coming forward or he's countering you, he kind of has you trapped anywhere that you go. Yeah, totally agree with you. I, I think, obviously, you can't go to the ground with Ortega. If the fight goes to the... If the fight goes to the ground, if he gives up his back like he did in the Mendez fight, there was a point where he got dropped by Chad and then um, he was able to spin around and take the back. You do that against uh, Ortega and you're getting submitted. It doesn't matter who you are. Um, That's how it's going to go. But I I think the fakes and feints, I really think intelligence is going to be the difference in this fight. I think skill-wise, Ortega has gotten a lot better. But I think that the the perfect fight for him to show off those skills was the Korean Zombie because Zombie doesn't have any defense. He doesn't have any head movement. And he kind of just walks forward on you like a zombie. That's where he got his name from. Yeah. Of course, you're going to run into spinning elbows. Of course, you're going to run into front kicks to the face. Of course, you're going to run into you know straight punches when you don't move your head at all. Volkanovsky moves his head. Volkanovsky changes his stances. Volkanovsky chains his kicks and punches together and vice versa. And you're kind of trapped anywhere that you go. And I think that against, I'm going to say this, on the feet, the best weapon that Ortega can use is either his uppercut or his elbows on the counter. Because Volkanovski got caught with a lot of uppercuts from Max Holloway. He Because Volkanovski's a shorter guy. He's not that tall. He kind of keeps yeah. his chin down and he kind of rolls with his punches, but he kind of tries to throw an overhand and then he'll crowd you and he'll really just get really close to you. So you can't go anywhere. If you lower your level against a guy like Brian Ortega, one, you could leave your neck out for a guillotine Two, you can leave your neck out for that uppercut up the middle. Um, I think it would, I think it would play into the hands of Ortega to land that uppercut, use a lot of fakes and throw those uppercuts. And uh, I also think that that front leg sidekick that he used against the Korean zombie, that can, uh, I think that can play a big factor because one thing Holloway was able to use to stifle some of that forward movement was that front leg stomp to the knee. Whenever Volkanovsky would get a little bit too close, he would stomp on his knee. And you saw Volkanovsky kind of like, he would, he would kind of be like, okay, like, yeah, you got me. Like, and then he'd have to reset. So that's what Ortega has to do. I just don't think he has the tools to get it done. So what, what do you? Uh, what's your your big prediction here? Uh, this is kind of a tough one to predict, like a round and a finish or a decision. It's tough. Uh, I do think that if Volkanovski, I do think he can get a knockout here. I think this is one of the the fighters that probably favor him the most in terms of getting a knockout. I think Holloway is almost impossible to knock out. You watch that. You see the Poirier fight. It's pretty yeah. self-explanatory. Um, Chad Mendez, he knocked him out. That was a good win for Volkanovski. That's really when he broke onto the scene. Um, yeah. I think er- – Yeah, I think early on it's going to be Brian Ortega in the first round. I think he's going to get ahead a little bit. But I think that as the fight goes on, it's kind of going to be like a Peter Yan situation where he's going to get more comfortable and he's going to start coast, not coasting, but he's going to start taking over. And once Volkanovsky takes over, I think it's just going to be too much. I think he, let me see. (laughs) Let me see. How am I going to call this? I think he hurts Ortega off of, he throws that lead body kick. And when he pulls it back, he fires that straight right down the middle. 
I think he catches him up against the cage. Ortega kind of shells up. He goes to shoot a takedown. Um, Volkanovski stuffs it, keep him up against the cage, and knocks him out uh, via TKO. I think the volume and the power of Volkanovski is just going to be too much for Ortega. So I'm going to go with a, I'll go with a third round KO for Volkanovski. Okay, okay, I like it. Um, see, I was leaning towards Volkanovski, but you know what? Because I am such a Brian Ortega fan, because I mean, he was. I like. I personally used he's like my favorite coach on the uh, Ultimate Fighter this past season. Okay. And I really do. I I truly do see him event. Like I don't know if it's gonna happen this Saturday. I would like it to happen this Saturday, but I definitely see him eventually become a champion uh-huh. of the division. Yeah. I, I truly do. And be, because because I'm such a fan of him, I think I'm just gonna. You know what? I think I'm gonna take him as a. Uh, the favor here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take him to win via submission. Okay. He, he's going to bring back out that jumpy guillotine that he did against uh, Cup Swanson. Okay. I like it. So what round? Um, I think it's going to be early on. I think it's going to be round two or three. I'm going to go with three just to be safe. Okay. Yeah. I, I think that's a, I think that's a pick. I think if Ortega gets a finish, it's going to be by submission and his guillotine is probably one of the strongest in the UFC. So, yeah, I think guillotine. I was just going with a triangle because you know his nickname is T City. Yeah, but that'd, that'd be too plain. And you know what? He's due for a for a submission victory. I feel like. I like so, it. I, I don't want people. I feel like people forget how good his jujitsu actually is. So I feel like he's going to try and showcase it. I I agree. I think. Uh, I th- I think if he gets a win, it's going to be by submission. I think if it get if it happens by submission, it's going to be by guillotine. So. Um, I would agree. I'm going to go with, I think, what did I say? Third round? I think I said third round. Uh, yeah. Third round TKO for Volkanovski against the cage. So, and still, and then you got an and new. So. <laughs> I, definitely, I, would, I would love to see it. I really would. Because, I don't know. Just like, his, I don't know if, you, if you've ever watched the, uh, I don't know what fight it was, but he had a video with um, one of the, one of the ESPN uh, analysts. They went on like a drive, a drive along with them yeah. to like his where he grew up at. I saw it. Came from just to see all like the background of it. Like, I don't know. I would just love to see him win this fight. No, I, he, he he's very close with one of my buddies that was on the Ultimate Fighter. I just it all just kind of adds up. I would I would love to see it. Right. No. I think I think Ortega is definitely a live dog here. Um, the case for Volkanovski, at least in my eyes, that it's been throughout his entire career, is nobody gives him credit for how good that he is. And I know you have, so I'm not saying you, cause I mean, you obviously yeah. talked about it, but every fight that Volkanovsky has had, he's been picked against when he fought Aldo. I think everybody picked Aldo when he fought Max the first time, everybody picked Max when he fought Max the second time, a little bit more people picked Volkanovsky, but it was a lot of Max Max talk. I think this is the fight where he makes a statement and he should have been getting the recognition this whole time because he is so technical and so good on the feet. And just, he's yeah. one of the most well-rounded mixed martial artists on the planet. And he's definitely, I think, one of the f- smartest fighters in MMA. Without a doubt. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, I mean, I think that Volkanovski comes from a better camp. I will say that. Mm-hmm. Definitely comes from a better camp because I'm pretty sure. Correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't he? Uh, 
he trains at the same camp as uh as Israel Adesanya, right? Yeah, he trains out of City Kickboxing with Izzy yeah. and and uh, I think Shane Young's down there. Dan Hooker's over there. Brad Riddell. He's got one of the best camps in the world. He also trains out of Freestyle. I think it's called Freestyle Fighting Gym. Um, that's another gym he works at. Uh, there's a guy on Instagram named, if you look him up, his name's Colby Thickneys, like T-H-I-C-K-N-E-S-E. And uh, me and him actually went back and forth in the DMs. He's one of Volkanovsky's like main training partners. I think he's really? only, I think he's only like 22, um, but he's in amateur MMA. He's got a few fights under his belt. So uh, yeah, if you guys know, uh, yeah, if you guys want to check him out, look up Colby Thickney's on, uh, on Instagram, but, yep. but yeah, I think uh, I'm going in still and you're going in new. And uh, I think, yes, I think that's where we're going to wrap it up. So we covered every fight. I think we broke down everything and about as much detail. Yeah, I think we broke down things in as much detail as we could. Um, yeah. Obviously, the fight takes place this Saturday on uh, September 25th. I believe this one's in Vegas. Is yes. it? Okay. Is it at the it's at, is it at the Apex or are they going to have fans? No, it's going to be at um, the whatever the arena is that they always like that they fight at. For, I think wherever the counter fight was last. T T Mobile Arena. Yeah. Yeah. Can't yeah, be there. Okay. All right. Well, uh, as I believe. Yeah. Well, I uh, I had a great time breaking down these fights. I, I think. Me on. <laughs> no problem, man. I my pleasure. I told you I'd get you on eventually. It just took a little bit longer than I thought. Yeah. No. You. I'm, I'm glad to finally get on here. It was awesome. Yeah. I will. Uh, we can probably make this a regular thing for all the big cards. So as long as we can figure out the schedule, I'm down to break down all the pay per views like this. For sure. I'm, you can count me in. All right. Um. I'll talk to you later, man. This was great, and uh, have a good night. You want to say anything before we, we get it going? No, I think we about covered everything. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. Have a good one. Thank you.